tonight's message from Quantum Kingdom Life, where we meet on Wednesday nights here, is seven facets of prayer. Have you ever seen a diamond with facets? So it's got different facets. And if you look at the diamond from one angle, you can see like a blue fire, another angle, it's a white fire. And other angles, what happens is you might see a red fire or a purple fire. There's different fires and there's different beauties that emanate from the multifaceted gemstone. Christ is the gemstone. He is the value. And when we look at different ways where we access revelation from him, it often comes during a time of prayer. Well, what is prayer? Prayer is really seeking the Lord and speaking to him and also him speaking back to us. So tonight we're going to go into seven facets or seven revelations, seven types of prayer. And so get ready because you're about to be launched into fresh revelation of who God is, who Jesus is, who the Holy Spirit is, and how to flow in prayer. The Bible says that we must do all prayer. All prayer means there's all, and underneath that banner of all prayer is different facets or different types of prayer. The first type of prayer that I want to talk about of the seven different aspects, seven different facets, seven different revelations, seven different types of prayer is confession. And often we think confession is, is a bad thing. That's confessing our sins. Well, first of all, confessing our sins is a good thing. But confession really also involves confessing who God is. And I like to confess who God is right out of the gate. God, you are the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. You are the God that caused the Israelites to be delivered out of the hand of the Egyptians, out of slavery, out of bondage. You brought great plagues and set them free. You made a distinction between the children of Israel and the children of Egypt, your people and the enemy's people. You, O oh God, are the God who raises the dead. You are the God who forgives sin. So this is confession. And when you start to confess who God is, something begins to change in the atmosphere. Let God arise. Let his enemies be scattered. I, uh, Psalm 68.1. So confessing who God is, confessing what great works he has performed. It's faith building because anytime you begin to confess who God is and what great works he's performed, it begins to open the portals. Angels begin to ascend and descend into your atmosphere, into your words, because you're praising him. When praises go up, blessings come down. He inhabits the praises of his people. And when you confess who he is and the works that he's done, faith begins to arise in the room, begins to arise in your spirit. So the first aspect or facet of prayer is confession, confessing who God is, confessing what great works he has done is to perform because if he did it for someone else, he's no respecter of persons, he will do it for you. And then confession of our sins that he might cleanse us. The Bible says if we confess our sins, God is faithful and just to forgive us and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. So if you say, Lord, 
I want to confess what I did wrong. I want to confess an attitude, the way I treated my wife, the way I, I, I didn't do as well as I could have in, in this matter. I didn't put my whole heart into it. I didn't do all my work as unto the Lord. I want to confess and I come out of agreement with what I did and I come into agreement with your highest will. The word repentance is to repent, to return to the pent, the highest place, or to return to the penthouse, the highest place with God. Then you have a fresh perspective, a fresh vantage point, and you get a chance to have that clean slate with God. So confession is good. It is the goodness of God, Romans 2, 4, that leadeth men to, prevent it, uh, to repentance or to return to the highest place with God. So the first facet is confession. And the final portion of confession is confessing who we are in Christ. I'm more than a conqueror through Jesus Christ. He always leads me in triumphal procession. I'm the head and not the tail. I'm bought with the price. I'm his favorite. You're his favorite. When you begin to confess who you are in Christ and who Christ is in you, faith rises and it transforms you just right there in just one facet of the gemstone of Christ through entering the fire of God through that aspect or facet of prayer. So con uh, confession is the first aspect or facet of prayer. Number two is supplication. Supplication is request. You can begin to now tell God your needs. Why? Because you've confessed who God is, your faith levels up. You've confessed his great works. You know what he's done in the past. You know he's no respecter of persons. If he did it for them, he'll do it for you. Confess our sins so you're right and you're clean before God and you're cleansed from all unrighteousness by the blood of the lamb. You walk in the light as he is in the light. The blood of his son cleanses us from all sin. And then we confessed who we are in Christ. We're in right standing. We can come boldly before the throne of grace to obtain mercy and grace in the time of need. What's the difference between mercy and grace? Well, there's justice, there's mercy, there's grace. Justice is getting what we deserve. Mercy is not getting what we deserve. And grace is getting something you and I don't deserve. God put Jesus on the cross. He was hung up for your hangups and mine. He was without sin, yet he took our place. That's grace. We deserved one thing. Jesus came and took our place. He became the scapegoat, so to speak. He became the sacrificial lamb. He took your place and mine. And now we can come and exchange our sickness for his healing. We can exchange our sin for his righteousness. We can exchange our poverty for his riches. We can change, exchange our old stinking thinking for his wonderful mind of Christ. We exchange our works of the flesh for the fruit of the spirit. We exchange our hatred, our anger, our rage, our malice, the filthy communication out of our mouth for the sweet presence of the Holy Spirit and the love of the Father flowing through us unto others. That's the beauty of what we get with that law of exchange. So supplication number two is requests and needs. Now we're in that position, our faith levels up and we begin to say, God, this is my needs. Here's my situation. What happens though, is as you begin to share your needs with him, a higher truth starts to come. All of a sudden you have this absolute 
Know that you know that you know. It's an absolute knowing that's not natural that all of a sudden everything's gonna be okay on a matter. And you find that your requests become less. Why? Because you know that they've already been answered. Isaiah 65, 24, before they call upon me, I will answer. And while they're yet still speaking, I will hear. If we ask anything according to his will, 1 John 5, 14, if, it, if we ask anything according to his will, we know that he hears us. And if he hears us, we know that we have the petition that we've asked of him. This is the confidence that we have if we ask anything according to his will. We have it. We align ourselves. If we uh, delight ourselves in the Lord, Psalm says, he'll give us the desires of our heart. When we use the word delight in the Hebrew, in the Old Testament, that the Bible's written in, the word delight means to make oneself pliable like pottery on a potter's wheel in front of the hands and in the hands of the potter. So when we delight ourselves in the Lord, we're actually asking him, change our hearts, change our perspective. This is also a facet of prayer. And now he transforms us on the potter's wheel into the image and likeness of his son. And then our heart is changed into the father's heart regarding a matter. And then he answers the prayer of our heart because it's really the prayer of the father's heart. When we delight ourselves, make ourselves pliable in the Lord, then he gives us the desires of his heart in us. This is what happens in prayer. In his presence, we're transformed from glory to glory. We're brought into conformity into the image and likeness of his son. The Holy Spirit's primary job, in addition to convicting and saving, is to transform us into the image and likeness of his son. People say to me, well, you know, God wants me to be happy. God wants me to be this and that. He wants you to be transformed into the image and likeness of his son. When that happens, happiness comes. Well, I want this and I want that. And, you know, I, us four no more and blah, blah, blah. When we get into his presence, all those things. Seek ye first the kingdom of God and his righteousness. And all these things are added. So first one is confession. The second one is supplication, which is requests and needs. You can request in behalf of other people. You can request for yourself, your family members, and you can also say, these are my needs. We have not because we ask not, or we have not because we ask for the wrong motives. But when we have our heart transformed into the image and likeness of Jesus, what happens is he'll give us the desires of his heart in us. The third area. Now, this is where it gets powerful. This facet of prayer will reveal the heart of the Father and the power to bring transformation in the earth in behalf of others. Stephen interceded for Saul of Tarsus, who was holding the clothes as people were pounding him with stones and breaking his skull apart and murdering him for preaching the gospel. And he interceded for Saul the murderer. And he says, Lord, I see you standing at the right hand of the Father, Jesus. I see Jesus standing at the right hand of the Father. And he says, Lord, do not hold this sin to their charge. Jesus on the cross said, Lord, forgive them. They know not what they do. I can see Jesus who's seated on the throne watching Stephen get stoned. And he says, Dad, look, check him out. Look how much of me is in him. Holy Spirit did such a great job with Stephen. He said the same thing I said on the cross. 
do not hold this sin to their charge. Forgive them. They know not what they do. And that kind of powerful intercession caused Jesus to be released and meet Saul of Tarsus on the road to Damascus the next week and encounter him and knock him off his high horse of pride in response to see Stephen's prayers as a martyr. And Jesus encountered him and Saul said, who are you? He says, I am Jesus whom thou persecutest. Jesus in his resurrected state in response to Stephen's intercession for Saul who was stoning him to death then encountered him blinded him with the light for three days sent Ananias in Acts chapter 9 laid hands on him that he might receive his sight and be filled with the Holy Spirit and because of Stephen's intercession in behalf of Saul of Tarsus the murderer Saul of Tarsus was brought into the kingdom with an encounter with Jesus and he was transformed into the image and likeness of the son of the living God over those next many years and he wrote two-thirds of the New Testament what would happen had Stephen not have interceded and intervened and said Lord do not hold this sin to their charge while he's getting pelted with stones forgive them Lord they know not what they do we might not have two-thirds of the New Testament. It may never have been written. That's the power of intercession. So we can stand in the gap through intercession, Ezekiel twenty-two thirty. The Bible says that God speaking in the book of Ezekiel to Ezekiel the prophet, he says, I looked for a man among them to stand up, stand in the gap and make up the hedge before me that I would not have to destroy the land, but I found none. So here's what happens. When you have a hedge of protection is like a fence. Job had a hedge about him and everything he owned. The devil couldn't get through the hedge until God lifted the hedge and allowed the enemy to come in and destroy Job's cattle, his children, his family, his livestock, his crops. He lost everything. And the wife said, curse God and die, Job. She was greatly distraught. But then Job refused to curse God. He said, God is good. The Lord giveth, the Lord taketh away. Blessed be the name of the Lord forever. He passed that test. And then the hedge was lifted further. And then Job was afflicted by the enemy. You know, the devil can't do anything to you unless there is one of two things going on. Either God has lifted the hedge because he knows you're going to pass the test. There's no temptation that's taken you except that which is common unto every man. And with the temptation, he always makes a way of escape he always opens a door or a window when the devil closes a door god opens a window you just have to look for the way out and god will give you double for your trouble on the other side when you stay single minded on him keep your eyes on the sea walker not the winds and the waves of adversity so this hedge of protection is given to every believer and the enemy literally bounces off of it a friend of mine years ago was in sin, he was an investment banker, he was in another country. He was smoking a cigarette on the back of the chalet where he was at, and he had a very Rolex watch and all the nicest clothes, and, and he was sitting back there, and he was a backslidden Christian, and all of a sudden he had an open vision, and he saw all these demons coming at him, and they were bouncing off of this thick, kind of a blue, clear, uh, 
like a bulletproof glass and they were such angry demons they were trying to get to him and they kept bouncing off and like rabid dogs and he's like he was he was startled and he said what is that lord in his backslidden state and the lord said that's the prayers that have been prayed unto me where people interceded for you that rebuilt the hedge it's their intercession that's protected you through what you've done and god had called him to repent but you know he didn't repent it took about two more years but now he's fully repented he's on fire for god that's the power of intercession that builds up the hedge. So if there's a hole in the hedge, uh, Ecclesiastes 10.8, King James Version says, if a man kicks a hole in a hedge, in other words, you, you, you break open the hedge of protection through sin, a serpent will come through and bite them. And do you know if you have a praying mother or a praying father, it will give you space to repent. The danger is with a praying mother and a praying father, you might think you're just lucky. You might think that though a thousand fall by your side and 10,000 fall by your right hand, it will not come near you. Prayer and intercession in your behalf has built up that hedge to where the enemy can't get through because that person is standing in that open spot. And instead of you getting hit, the enemy is running into a believer who's praying for you, who's got the full armor of God. But God calls all men to repent. So don't think that just because you've been getting away with it, that it's okay. That's the sin of presumption, presuming that because you haven't been judged suddenly or somehow God is okay with it or you're special, the rules don't apply to you. No, no, no. The standard is scripture and he calls all men to repent and the Holy Spirit is calling you today and he's forming you and bringing you into conformity and transforming you into the image and likeness of the Son of God that he might utilize you and send you out filled with the power of the Holy Spirit that really only comes through spending legitimate, regular prayer time with the Lord in the secret place. And regular time on social media can be replaced with regular time in the Holy of Holies. And then when you go out and post something on social media, it will have the fire of God in it. It will have transforming power, have convicting power. When you walk into a business meeting, it will be a divine appointment, not one where you have to close the deal, but where God caused the deal to be closed in prayer. When we begin our day in prayer, we'll end it in praise. When we begin our day in prayer, we will end it in praise. When we spend time praying in the spirit, dreams and visions often come at night with revelation on how to navigate the next day. But that's another teaching. So the first one is confession. The second one is supplication, requests and needs. The third one is intercession, standing in the gap for other people and also praying in the Holy Spirit for others. Romans 8.26 says, when we don't know what to pray for as we ought, the Holy Spirit helps us in our weaknesses, in our humanity. And he makes intercession for us with groanings that words cannot express. Romans 8.26. So words that cannot be expressed or groanings, 
one of the translations of the original Koine Greek language in Romans 8.26, New Testament's written in Koine Greek. And if you deep down dive into that, you'll see one of the translations of words that groanings, groanings that words cannot express are words that cannot be articulated in human speech. And one of the things that will happen is a prayer language will rise up within you and you'll begin to you'll just begin to bubble forth in other tongues that can't be articulated in human speech. You'll begin to pray in the tongue of men or angels, angelic tongues, or you'll just groan as you cry out unto the Lord in intercession for a child or a friend. And sometimes you just call them on the phone and you start to pray and you're just like, oh, and you just feel their pain with empathy. And you begin to birth that thing and you carry that burden for them, almost standing proxy, even as Christ was proxy on the cross for you and me. Sometimes he'll allow us to stand proxy for somebody for them to get delivered of something. I've actually been proxy before and when you go proxy, it's not like a choice. It's like God will put you in. He trusts you in that position. Put me in, coach. And he'll armor you up and you'll experience what they experience when they're getting delivered. You'll call them and they will have been delivered of that thing, that, 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 that stronghold, that addiction. And, and you'll be like, wow, what just happened? I've never done that in my life, but I just experienced getting delivered from that thing in intercession. You'll call them and they will be set free by the power. Of this is the power of intercession under the anointing of the Holy Spirit. Do you know you can't even intercede without the Holy Spirit? Oh, you can pray without the Holy Spirit. It's much better to pray with the Holy Spirit. It's even better to pray in the Holy Spirit. Many people start in the outer courts praying without the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit says, well, they're giving it a try down there. Let me see if I can help them. That looks like a miserable experience. Then they come, Holy Spirit comes and rests upon our shoulder and he also lives within us. And then all of a sudden he begins to whisper in our ear. Words begin to rise up on the inside. And now we go from our hamburger helper to the hamburger of the Lord. The meat starts to come and all of a sudden our words become a mixture of what we started from our perspective, our vision, our vantage point, which is limited, our finite mind, and now we're bringing our complaints before God, but now all of a sudden he shows us a different perspective. And now we're bringing a petition before God. Now we're bringing intercession in behalf of the person that may have harmed us or wronged us or are perceived wrong. And now all of a sudden we see why they did what they did because they're wounded themselves and hurting people hurt people. Now we begin to not ask for judgment on them. We ask for mercy and even grace. And then God tells us to go wash their feet or do something you know, unusual or give them money or bless them. And you're thinking, this makes no rational sense. I wanted them to get judgment, but now I want to bless them because the heart of the Father causes the goodness of God to lead men and women to repentance, Romans 2, 4. So intercession, praying in the Holy Spirit for others, Romans 8, 26, and standing in the gap, Ezekiel 22, 30, and 31. The fourth facet of the gemstone of Christ, the entryways, the encounters with God through prayer is adoration. 
And this right here, my wife is amazing in this facet of prayer. You know, we're all stronger in different areas, but together we're better. Teamwork makes the dream work. Where one can put a thousand to flight, two in agreement can chase 10,000. That's why it's so important that you pray with your spouse. It's so important that you pray in church, both privately, you pray publicly. It's so important that you speak it out loud and not just keep it private. You begin to learn to use your authority with your voice. There's something about the kingdom of God that is voice activated. And when you begin to invoke the word, God confirms the word that's spoken with signs and wonders following. Does God hear the cry of your heart? Absolutely. But there's something about voice activation of the kingdom of God when you begin to speak and declare a thing. The, the, the natural realm begins to transform and it's released from heaven to earth that it might be done in earth as it is in heaven. When we don't know what to pray for as we ought, the Holy Spirit helps us. So if you have your prayer language in tongues, sometimes it's okay just to start off in tongues. Just, just begin to pray until you get that breakthrough to where your mind, your will, and your emotions are kind of in the, in the, in the back and your, your body, your flesh is in back and the spirit man arises. Now all of a sudden the mind of Christ starts to rise and now he begins to quicken you. You begin to ride the wave of the Holy Spirit in prayer. When you begin to ride, begin to ride that wave, prayer becomes effortless. It starts off distraction, anger, frustration, uh, am I even going to last two minutes? The tag in the back of my shirt itches. But when you get in there, all of a sudden you're riding that wave. And now you don't want to come out. You might go in fearful, scared, frustrated, but you come out calm, peaceful, and bold as a line with that confidence that makes no sense in the natural. And then you just begin to walk it out in the dominoes begin to fall before you because God sent his angel before you because you took time to pray you partnered with heaven and now heaven has partnered with you when you take care of the Lord's business he'll take care of your business so adoration is worship spending time adoring God for who he is you are the God who opens the eyes of the blind. You are the God that loves us just the way we are. You are the God that loves us just the way we are, but you love us way too much to leave us in our current condition. Lord, I thank you that you are the God who does it. And you just begin to adore him for his mercies endureth forever. And you can just sing a song, hallelujah, glory to God. You are so beautiful. Your feet are so wonderful. You are so merciful. You're so powerful. You're so faithful, God. Adore him for who he is. Go through the scriptures and find something that the Holy Spirit will quicken off the page and just stop right there. It's not about how many verses or how many chapters you read at a time. It's about encountering him while you're reading the chapters. The Pharisees and Sadducees could quote the entire Old Testament from memory, but they didn't know the Son of God. Somebody said to me one day, they said, well, David, so-and-so doesn't always go to church. Sometimes they're out fishing. And I said, well, let me ask you a question. Who's closer to God? The guy who's in church on Sunday morning thinking about fishing or the guy who's out fishing thinking about God? Stop being so religious. Now, I go to church. We attend a wonderful church. The presence of God is there. And I love our congregation on Sunday mornings. 
But the guy who may not know where that church is at or a church like it, maybe he or she goes out and encounters the Lord. But you should always connect in a group because where there's group connection, when you have a coal amidst a bunch of other cold coals, when this coal is on fire, and if you put it in with a bunch of cold coals, you're trying to start the barbecue, what happens is one hot coal can cause the entire rest of the barbecue briquettes to catch fire and that thing will spread. But if you take that one coal out and you throw it on the ground, it will die. But if you put it back in with a bunch of hot coals, it will come back to life. So the question is this, when you go out for evangelism, are you on fire enough to release fire to other people? And if not, stay amongst the people and go out in twos and threes and groups. But once you get that fire, go with somebody and go release the fire to other people. And if you find yourself getting cold, get back in fellowship until you're fully on fire and then go out again. Jesus said, won't you tarry with me just one hour to the disciples, but they kept falling asleep. The Bible says in, in Luke 22, 40, 41, it says, pray that you enter not into temptation. And for years I read that verse, Lord, I pray I don't enter into temptation. I pray that I don't enter into temptation. But the word really means pray and keep on praying. The word pray is in a very unique tense in the Greek language. It's in the present imperative tense, Luke 22, 40. Pray that you enter not into temptation. The word pray there in the present imperative tense is the command to do something now. Bam, pray. And a constant repeated action in the future and keep on praying. So prayer is what keeps us in the atmosphere of heaven is what keeps us from falling into temptation. We don't say, Lord, I pray I don't fall into temptation. No, we spend time in prayer. We get saturated with him and now temptation doesn't have any dominion over us because we partnered with heaven and the Holy Spirit. When temptation knocks at the door, the Holy Spirit answers and says, what can I do for you? But when we don't have that saturated presence of the Holy Spirit and temptation comes, we answer the door ourselves. We think it's pizza man, but it's really land shark. <laughs> and so you've got to have that saturated oil on you and me that only comes from spending time in the presence of the king. In Israel, they'll anoint the sheep on their head with oil. And the reason they'll anoint, the shepherds will anoint the sheep with, with oil on their heads is because flies will come to try to dig into the sheep's hair, the wool, and then dig down in and lay larva. And then those larvae will hatch and flies will come out. So it's a great place for, for larvae and flies to embed themselves and, and to sow bad seed of larvae and then the, the sheep will begin to bleed. Well, we need to anoint our heads with oil in prayer because now when Beelzebub, the Lord of the flies, sends the flies to try to embed themselves with that diabolus, that knocking, that pounding sound that comes, the oil will protect us. And the blood of Jesus always comes first before the anointing oil. In the Old Testament, in the book of Leviticus, they always anointed with blood first, which is symbolic of repentance, and then the anointing oil came second. So if you try to add the anointing to somebody who's not repentant, it doesn't work. It's like adding fresh, cool lemonade to a dirty glass 
filled with sour milk. It doesn't mesh. But if you empty out through repentance and you wash the glass out with the word of God, the blood of the lamb, then you can fill up with the freshness of God. There's too many today that want an anointing service. They want an impartation, but aren't willing to pay the price. And Do you know salvation is free? Jesus paid the price for you. But the anointing will cost you everything. Jesus said, which of you wants to be my disciple? Luke 14, 26. Which of you wants to be my disciple? First, you must pick up your cross daily and follow after me. You must love. It's a very interesting word. The word, you must hate your mother and father and sister and brother. The word hate there is the word maseo. It actually means to love less than. So you must first, if you want to be my disciple, love your mother and father and sister and brother. Yes, even your own life less than me. When your wife says, I want to go to the ballet and you're like, I want to go to the NFL game. Because you love your wife more than you love football. For some of you, you're like, I don't know about that. But if you love your thing less than you love your wife, you'll give in and go do what she wants to do. And wives, likewise, if you love what you want to do less than what your husband, your husband, then you'll want to go do. But see, we, we, we serve one another in the fear and the admonition of the Lord. We honor one another and it's a give take. So when you are called into prayer with God, and you decide you want to watch TV, you've loved TV more than you love spending time with him. And we've all been guilty in one facet or another. When God calls you, he wants to do something in that environment of heaven in prayer. And he'll begin to teach you these seven facets of prayer and begin to reveal more and more heavenly fire during these prayer times. And you'll see miracles signs and wonders. There's a saying that I live by much prayer, much power. Little prayer, little power. No prayer, no power. How much power do you have? The Bible says in 1 Thessalonians 5, 17, pray without ceasing. In other words, an attitude of prayer, a posture of prayer, a mindset of having your mindset on it. Set your affections on him, Colossians 3, 2. So adoration is worship, spending time alone, adoring God for who he is, and then our fifth type. So we've got number one, confessing, confession, two, supplication, three, intercession, four, adoration, which is worship and spending time adoring God for who he is, and five, communion, just resting in his presence. You know, you get to a place in prayer where you just don't want to move. It's almost called centering prayer or, you know, you're just focused on him where Psalms 46.10 comes alive where it says, Be still and know that I am God. I will be exalted in all the nations. I will be extolled in all the earth. And there's a place you get to in prayer. It could last for minutes. It could last for an hour. It could last for two or three hours where you're just sitting there silent in the presence of God. It's like you're on a completely different plane. You're in a different dimension. It's when you're seated, biblically, let me give you some anchor, where you're seated with Christ far above all principality, power, might, and dominion in Him. In Him you live and move and have your very being. You're just in His presence where there's fullness of joy. You're not asking for anything 
you're just there with him. It's like when you're with your spouse and you want to be there. It's like when you're dating, you're on a on a you know a, a swing next to her, and all you're doing is sitting on the couch or on that swing. You're not even talking. You're just with her, or she's just with you, because being in your spouse's or your girlfriend's presence or your boy, it's just so sweet just to be in there. That's how it is with Jesus when we get into that communion. And also, Psalms 45.1, communion is not just resting in his presence, saying nothing, but also now hearing his voice. He begins to give you a download. He begins to whisper things. He begins to give you insight on matters that you knew not. He begins to show you heaven's perspective about a thing that you never thought was that way because you had a horizontal perspective looking across the earth. Now you're seated in heavenly places in communion and you're looking down at that matter from heaven's perspective, an aerial point of view, and you see the whole play. You're like, I had no idea. And then as you come out, see Psalms 45, one says, my tongue is the pen of a ready writer. I speak those things that I've received as touching the king. You can't receive those things unless you've been in the secret place with him and then your tongue becomes a pen of a ready writer you begin to type begin to write down what he spoke and you begin to share with others sometimes you get revelation and it will break the yoke of bondage for somebody else or for yourself but god wants to do this in everybody's life and everybody's invited in for the seven facets of prayer yet not all of us take advantage of them because we don't stay long enough and when you pray in the spirit, I know this is maybe kind of, you know, debatable for some, but I ask you to try it. Ask the Lord just to baptize you in the Holy Spirit, give you your prayer language. You might wake up with it in the middle of the night. In fact, right now, if you want it, just ask him for it. Just say, I want to be filled with your spirit. I want to be empowered so my transformed life glorifies you and others might see Jesus in me, that I might be Jesus with skin on. I might be endued with power from on high to live the Christian walk. If you want that, just tell him yes right now. You want fresh fire. So right now, I just declare and decree the fresh fire of heaven to come upon you right now. I thank you, Father, for the angels that are ministering, touching their back and their hand over their heads. I see in the realm of the Spirit, I release the angelic assistance of heaven with the word of God, the voice activated kingdom of God, I release tongues, interpretation of tongues, prophecy, word of knowledge, word of wisdom, the working of miracles. I release the gift of faith and the gifts of healing. I release discerning of spirits. We release the kingdom of God in and through your life that you might be fully equipped. The apostle Paul said, I long to see you that I might impart unto you some spiritual gift that at the end thereof you might be established. First Corinthians 1, 9, I release the impartation of spiritual gifts at the directive of the Lord, and I say receive them now, and the empowerment to walk in them with the wisdom of the Lord Jesus Christ. Holy Spirit, thank you for resting on them with fresh oil, enabling them to hear their voice. I thank you, Father, for clearing out ears both physically in the natural with wax also spiritually of spiritual dumbing down the god of this world who's blinded the minds of those who are perishing and break your power 
over their life right now. I declare freedom to you to hear the voice of God and have an attentiveness and an ability to hear his voice. I declare the Psalms 45.1, God of the Bible has invited you into the Holy of Holies and now he begins to speak to you, visit you, and your tongue becomes the pen of a ready writer that you receive and speak of those things and write those things and type those things that you've heard in the presence of the king. And as you repeat them out in the voice-activated kingdom, his word will go forth through you and he will confirm the word that he's put in your mouth. Open your mouth and he will fill it. He'll confirm the word that he's put in your mouth with signs and wonders following. You have all of heaven backing you. Put a pen and paper by your bed. Prepare to begin to receive dreams and visions as deep sleep falls upon you in the night. As you slumber and sleep in your bed, he'll open your ears and seal your instructions to turn you from wrongdoing to preserve your soul from going down to the pit or perishing by the sword. He'll wake you up with songs in the night and songs in the morning. He'll sing you to sleep. I thank you for that hush of the Holy Spirit that comes upon you as you sleep tonight. And I speak a place called hush from heaven to begin to come upon you. Some of you hear many different televisions at once in your head. There's been like a, an Asperger's or almost an autistic or a manic depressive thing that's gone on. The Lord is bringing and releasing to you a place called hush where you can have the peace of God that bypasses your understanding, where you won't need sleep medications anymore. You won't need that double nightcap when you go to sleep. You won't need to place called hush he giveth his beloved sleep psalms 127 do i release that unto you in the power of the holy spirit right now I also declare a belt of truth upgrade i thank you father god for removing the old and bringing the upgrade right now in jesus name amen and amen so that's communion resting in his presence psalms 46 10 listening to his voice, Psalms 45, 1. And number six, thanksgiving. Thanking him for what he has done and thanking him for what he is doing. What do you mean, David? Thanking him for what he is doing. Well, you don't know what he's doing. But when you get into prayer, he begins to reveal it. And now you begin to see the future as if it's already now. And faith is believing you already have what you've prayed for as if it was already done. When you call something in and you order it over the phone you get off the phone and you know it's on the way you're like can't wait to get to the door it's on the way they're delivering food or you ordered something online you're looking at the mailbox nowadays it can arrive in two hours it's amazing i love the 21st century but you don't wonder if it's going to arrive you have more faith sometimes in the internet or a food delivery person than you do in god we need to believe we've received when we prayed and we will have what we've asked of him. And one of the things that confirms we believed we received is praying the prayer of thanksgiving. I thank you for what you've done. We honor him and we thank him for what he's doing. One day I had a dream, three and one night, in the dream at 3 a.m., uh, an angel appeared unto me with a clipboard in their hand. It looked like a, a person. And the angel said, the Father has requested your presence and invited you to the office of Thanksgiving at 5 a.m. And I looked and I woke up and it was 3 a.m. At 4 a.m. I had a second dream. 
same angel, different scenario, showed up, same clipboard. The Father has requested your presence at the office of Thanksgiving. You've been invited to the office of Thanksgiving at 5 a.m. And I went back to sleep. 5 a.m., I felt a slap on my thigh. I woke up. I didn't know what time it was. And I remembered the two dreams back to back. See, if a dream comes in two forms with the same message, Genesis 41:32 says, God will surely do this thing and it will shortly bring it to pass. The thing is established by God. So here it was 5 a.m. and I'm incarcerated at the time and it's five and I'm tired. And so what I did was I realized I was invited, not commanded. See, prayer is an invitation, not a commandment or a demand. He will chase you with his goodness, with goodness and mercy. He will follow you all the days of your life, but he'll woo you into that secret place in prayer. And he mercifully taught me about the office of Thanksgiving while I was incarcerated in 1997. And I got out of bed, I got on my knees, it was 5 a.m. and every, all the lights were off and I began to thank God at the office of Thanksgiving for everything that he'd done for me. Ah, somebody sent me money on my books and I was able to shop at the commissary and oh, thank you for the job I have. You know, I used to have to work over here, but you gave me this better job and oh, I thank you, Lord, that you provided with this and that. And about two minutes in, I was out of things. And I thought I was done. And when we get to the end of ourselves, that's when God begins in prayer. Let me repeat that. When we get to the end of ourselves, that's when the Holy Spirit begins in prayer. And what happened was the Holy Spirit began to remind me of things that I had forgotten that the Lord had done for me. He'd healed me when I had food poisoning. And I began to thank him for that because other people may not have made it through. But the power of God brought me through. Then he reminded me of when my parents came to visit me and they were in a car accident and they could have died. They weren't injured at all, but the car was totaled. My parents could have died while, they were, while I was in prison coming to try to visit me because they loved me. And I thank God for my parents. I thank God for the angelic protection. Even the police officer said, there's no explanation why there's no damage on either of you. It's a miracle. And I began to thank him. Then he began to show me things that I didn't even know he'd done. And as I began to thank him, I was carried up into the spirit. And the next thing I know, the lights came on as they did every morning at 6 a.m. And I had been at the office of Thanksgiving for one hour. Won't you tarry with me just one hour in prayer? Pray that you enter not into temptation. Spend time in prayer and he'll anoint you with that protection against temptation. And so I learned that the office of Thanksgiving was so powerful. Have you ever had somebody that you gave a gift to and you didn't think much about it and they came back and says, Oh, I so appreciate what you gave me, that gift card or this or that or that purse or that little flower or what you did. And you're like, well, it really wasn't that big. Oh, it was so important to me. Thank you. You, you really impacted my life. When you find out how impactive it was in their life, what you did with what was in your ability or your hand or your act of kindness, 
makes you want to do more for them. But when you do something for somebody and they don't thank you, they don't even say thanks. It makes you not want to do it for them a second time because they're thankless. God loves it when we come back and thank him. It releases more into our life. So one facet of prayer to see the diamond fire of Christ is the office of thanksgiving. Thanking him for what he's done and for what he's doing. And then he'll reveal by the Holy Spirit other things he's done that you don't even know about. And then you'll love him even more. The final facet of the seven facets of prayer or the seven revelations of prayer or the seven aspects of prayer, seven vehicles of prayer is praise. Glorifying his name, boasting of his greatness. The enemy hates it when you boast of how good God is. And you can also commend God for his mighty acts. Psalms 150 verses 1 through 6. If you just read the 150th Psalm and you just read it out loud, it will do something in the atmosphere. When you begin to glorify God's name, let God arise, let his enemies be scattered. He begins to inhabit the praises of Israel, the praises of his people. Psalms 22 verse 3. There's something that happens when you praise God. He begins to fill the room and the enemy begins to flee. Let God arise. Psalm 68, 1. Let his enemies be scattered. How can you cause God to arise? Invite him in to your prayer closet as really you've been invited into his prayer closet. The Bible says, let us come boldly before the throne of grace. We have an open invitation. The temple curtain in the Old Testament was rent, was ripped, torn from top to bottom. That four inch thick curtain. When Jesus died on the cross, there was an earthquake and the temple curtain ripped open at that same time. And the high priest tore his robe. What's happened? What's happened? The Holy of Holies has now come out unto the people instead of the priest being able to go behind the temple curtain with a rope around him and the bells and the pomegranates ching 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 they wonder if he's going to drop dead in the presence of god they've got a rope around him to pull him back out but now instead of man having to prepare himself to go in before god now god has made a way through jesus yeshua hamashiach the messiah for god to come out to his people we're all invited in through the blood of the lamb now Will you respond to the invitation to capsulize the seven different facets of prayer as we close? Number one is confession, confessing who God is, confessing what great works he's performed, confessing our sins for cleansing. He's faithful and just to cleanse us from all unrighteousness and confessing who you are in Christ. Do you know when you confess who you are in Christ? It does something. It's not just who you are in him, it's who he is in you. As he is, so are we in this present world that we might have boldness on the day of judgment. 1 John 4, 17. Number two, supplication, making our requests and our needs known. Number three, intercession, praying in the Holy Spirit for others, for divine intervention and also standing in the gap. Ezekiel 22, 30 and 31, praying in the Holy Spirit for others, Romans 8, 26. Number four, adoration, worship and spending time adoring God 
for who he is. You know, the angels, the seraphim, the six-winged angels, they go around the throne of God saying, Holy, holy, holy is the Lord God Almighty. The whole earth is filled with his glory. Isaiah chapter 6. You know what I think happens? I think they go around the throne of God and God reveals another facet of himself to them. And every time they see a new facet, they're like, holy, holy, holy. It's the Lord God Almighty. And they go around again. He's like, check this one out. Holy, holy, holy. You want to know where you get the greatest revelation is in times of prayer. And when we begin our day in prayer, we'll end it in praise, as I said before. So adoration is number four. Number five is communion, resting in his presence, Psalm 4610. You still know that he's God and listening to his voice, Psalms 45.1. He's given you the tongue of a pen of a ready writer. Number six, thanksgiving for what God has done and for what he's doing. Meet him tonight or tomorrow morning at the office of thanksgiving. Rise up an hour early. You won't be more tired because of it. You'll be more energized because you entered in and then he'll begin to do more. And number seven, praise, glorify his name, boasting of his goodness. You want to really stir up the enemy's anger and you want to crush him underneath the feet? Let him know how good God is. Talk about your heavenly estate. Talk about those that have gone on before you. So-and-so died of this. They're on the streets of gold that's transparent as glass. They're rejoicing in heaven. They've got the mansion up there. There's no more sickness, no more dying. The, the, the former things have passed away. All things are become new. I don't say goodbye to them. I say goodbye for now. I will see them again. And we will spend eternity together. And then you go from sorrow to joy, seeing the future as if it's now. And they're going to look over the sapphire seal of heaven as a great cloud of witnesses and cheer you on as you finish the race. This is how it happens in prayer. Be still and know that I am God. Pray and continue to pray so that you're strengthened against temptation. So glorifying his name, boasting of his goodness, and commending God for his mighty acts. We'll be gone next week. Wednesday night, we're preaching a revival. We're going to start getting into a teaching called the ministry of angels. I just caught this in the spirit as we're talking. You're going to learn how to cooperate with God's angels who excel in strength and hearken unto the voice of his word. They hearken unto the voice of his word. When you pray unto him, he speaks to them. Or when you speak the word in the voice activated kingdom, they hearken unto the voice of his word, under the anointing of the Holy Spirit, and they come in. You know, the devil hearkens unto the voice of your word when it lines up with his kingdom. It gives him permission. And when you speak things in line with God's kingdom, you give the angels permission. Some of you have unemployed angels sitting on the sidelines waiting to get into the game. It's a voice-activated kingdom. So I'm going to encourage you now to come into agreement with the purposes of God and ask him to give you a new voice, a new language, the language of the kingdom, the language of faith, and come out of agreement with the language of doubt and disbelief, fear, and we replace it with the love and the faith of God. If that's what you want, say yes. So now I declare and decree a divine cleansing. Some of you are going to feel fire in your mouth. Fire in your mouth, fire in your mouth right now. The fire of God is cleansing you like the 
the coal off the altar in Isaiah 6. Isaiah said, I'm a man of unclean lips. This prophet said, I'm a man of unclean lips and I'm of an unclean people. But the angel came with tongs off the altar and grabbed a coal and put the coal in his mouth and he cleansed him. I released the cleansing coal fire off the altar of God in the name of Jesus. There it goes. Right there. I release that cleansing fire. Thank you, Father, for putting your word in their mouth. He said, open your mouth and I will fill it. Just open your mouth. He's going to give you brand new words. And they're going to come effortlessly. And you're going to say, where did that come from? Something told me that something is another name for the Holy Spirit. You're going to begin identifying your partner, the paraclete, the one who comes alongside to help. He will be with you and he will be in you. future is bright. Two weeks from now, we're going to start a wonderful ministry of angels teachings. And you're going to learn how to activate angels, how to cooperate with angels. You're going to understand what angels are first, the different facets of angels, the different ranks of angels, and how angels have been assigned to your life. You know, only a third of the angels fell. That means two-thirds are with you, brother. Two-thirds are with you, sister. You have angelic assistance. Goodness and mercy shall follow you all the days of your life as you dwell in the house of the Lord forever. I'm David Herod, BDN, virtualchurchmedia.com. You can also download our mobile app on virtualchurchmedia.com. We have a store link. You can get my book, Jet Ride to Hell, Journey to Freedom, my story of God redeeming me in response to my mother's prayers. You can also sew online at virtualchurchmedia.com on the give link. You can also... Give for Bibles to prisoners. We're getting ready to do a Bible mailing to the prisoners. And you can give on the website for that as well. We thank you for your support and partnering with God and with us as we share in the harvest together. God bless you richly. I'm David Herobedian, and I approve this message.